let's get started. I had a very interesting observation I want to share with everyone um, tonight. And I want to, it's a contrast between two, well, two groups of people. It's really a group of people and this one woman, we'll get to the stories individually, who were faced with very similar challenges and, and the, what happened at the challenge and the aftermath. So we have in, uh, in uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 13, uh, we have the story of the Jews. We know the Jews, they left Egypt and they started heading towards Israel. They were at the doorstep of Israel and Moses has the idea or the people have the idea, it's not clear, but there's an idea that's presented to send in spies to check out Israel. So what the agreement was is that there's uh, the 12 tribes of Israel. Each tribe has a leader. And they would send each one of those individual leaders, those 12 men, to go into Israel. It says they go into Israel, they stop in the south, they tour the whole land and they try to, try to you know, it's like scouting. You want to check out what the enemy has. What kind of fortifications and how big is the population and where do they live and what kind of defenses do they have. And they do this wonderful exploration of the land. It takes them 40 days. They get back to Israel and 10 of them, 10 of them, decide to badmouth the land of Israel. And it says that they said, oh gosh, we cannot be successful. The people who live there, there's so many different kingdoms and tribes and nations and they're so strong and they're so big and they're so mighty and there's no way we can be successful. Let's go back to Egypt. This is terrible. Even God can help us. And it's a really a, a, an utter disaster. And it's, it's a turning point in, in the trajectory of the Torah and the story of the Jews leaving Egypt that they left Egypt, they right away went to Israel. They're at the doorstep, literally the doorstep of, of Israel. They send in these 40 men, they come back, they start speaking really negatively about, uh, about the land of Israel. And they started somewhat of a riot, a revolt against Moses. And the Almighty says, these people spent 40 days touring the land of Israel and speaking badly about Israel and doubting me, so to speak, like doubting my capabilities, that if you have the Almighty on your side, of course you could vanquish uh, the enemy, for sure. No question about it. These people, uh, had uh, they lapsed in their, in their faith, and because of the 40 days they spent touring the land uh, with nefarious intentions, uh, corresponding to that, the Jews will have to spend 40 years in the wilderness before they go into Israel. 40, you know, 40 days equals 40 Years, and we know that the it's a terror. It's, it's a terrible thing, and we and this is a major problem that we have right in the middle of the Torah, where you have these forty men who were the leaders of the of, of, of the nation. Right? Uh, sorry, these ten men, the leaders of the tribes, the Nisim. These were tzaddikim. These were righteous people. These were scholars. These were men of highest the highest regard in moral issues, in, in societal issues, in, 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 in matters of scholarship, these were the top of the line, the creme de la creme for our French speakers. The best of the best. And they came and they seems, they were presented with a challenge. They see, they, 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 they encountered what they determined to be these almost uh, unachievable or uh, indefensible or uh, this mighty enemy that there's no way the Jews will be successful. And they t- kind of forgot about God. And they convinced the nation that we can't do it. And the aftermath of, of that was that not only they didn't go into the land right away, they spent 40 years in the desert, but also every single member, every single person that was around then died. 
Right? God says, I got so upset about this. Anyone who, who left Egypt is not going to go into Israel. With the exception of these, with the exception of the two righteous of the twelve, there's, there's twelve people that went. Ten of them, all of them began as righteous, as, as righteous, uh, God fearing uh, leaders, and two of them were fighting back. It was, it, was, it, was like, it was like a very, it was an encounter. You have these ten men trying to announce, "Oh, we can't be successful. It's, it's terrible." And you have two people. Uh, one of them was Joshua and Caleb, or Caleb. Uh, who were fighting against them. What do you mean? We have the man on our side. We could destroy them. No problem. That's one side of the... That, that's one story. And then if you look at the Haftorah, that parsha, we read the story about a woman whose name was... <clears throat> whose name was Rachav, who was a prostitute, who was also faced with a kind of, kind of a, a similar situation. What happened? This is in the book of Joshua. Uh... Moses died. Right? Forty years passed. Moses is dead. <laughs> Joshua takes over. Right? Joshua also sends in spies. Forty years, a lot changed. Geopolitical, the military situation has changed. Send in two more people, and these two people find safe shelter in this home, in the home of this woman. This woman lived in Jericho. Jericho, we know, was the first city that the that the what the Jews encounter when they went into Israel. So she lived at the edge of the city, and she had a little pulley system. In she had like a in the wall of the city, she had a little, little house there. And she had like a pulley system. People would climb up, and that was kind of her business model. And uh, they ended up over there. And the authority said, "Oh gosh, there's two, there's two spies, two scouts, two Israeli or Israelis, but Jewish people coming to scout out." And he says, "Oh, well, we saw them around." And she says, "She says, oh, I didn't see them. I think they went that way." And she hid them, and they said, oh, thank you so much. And she said, yeah, I know, the Almighty took you out of Egypt, and the Almighty did so many wonderful miracles, and the Almighty, and we know that you, the Jews are going to be successful when they, when they conquer Israel. Please do me a favor, when you conquer Israel, spare me and my family. So I said, yeah, sure. We, we, they, they, um, they told her that whenever, we, when the war begins, you put a little red string by your window, no one's going to touch you. Sorry, sorry for steering you. And then you fast forward to the chapter six of uh, of the book of Joshua. They went and attacked Jericho, and it says the city, it and all that is in it, shall be consecrated property for Hashem. So they captured and plundered everything. Only Rachav, they call it the innkeeper. We'll get to that. Shall live. She and all who are with her in a house, because she hid the emissaries whom we sent. Okay, and if you look, you examine the stories, both these stories very clearly. You notice that the difference between these ten righteous men and this one woman was in this in, in the same area. These ten men said, "We we can't be successful. Yeah, we have the might on our side, but still, we saw we saw the enemy. We saw what they could do. We saw their military might. There's no way we could overcome them." These ten men had a lapse of faith. As opposed to this woman, I'll read you what she says. I know that Hashem has given you the land, and that fear of you has fallen upon us, and all the inhabitants of the land have dissolved because of you. For we have heard how Hashem dried up the waters of the sea of reeds for you when he went forth from Egypt, when he did to the two kings of the Amorites who crossed the Jordan of Sihon and Og, 
who were utterly destroyed. We heard and our hearts melted. No spirits remained in any man. She was like, we know everything that happened to you. She was so impressed. She was so awed about what she heard. She said, I, I know the Almighty Center, Tom, you guys are going to destroy the place. Do me a favor, spare me. So we have on one hand, 10 righteous men, 10 pious men, 10 leaders of the Jewish people who witnessed with their own eyes. They were there. They were privy to these experiences. They saw the splitting of the sea. They saw the, 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 uh, the, the Sinai experience. Revelation. They were there. They saw it with their own eyes. And they couldn't wrap their heads around the idea that God is really in control and has the ability to assert himself and to, 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 do, to do whatever it is that needs to be done to, to conquer Israel. And this woman, she what was a woman clearly of ill repute we'll get to a little bit of her somewhat of her uh, the highlights of her career from the sources uh, but she was someone who was clearly moralistically challenged shall we say and she wasn't even there she only heard what happened and she had such a fear of heaven she had such a tangible understanding about the power of, of God that she was able to say I know that you guys are going to be successful I'm going to spare you, even though the people, are, you know, might come after me. I'm, you know, I might suffer as a result of that, and I want you to save me. So, how is it possible? We're present. We're presented these two stories right next to each other. One of them is in the Torah. One of them is in, in the prophets. But still, in the Haftorah of this parsha, parsha Shlach, that talks about the Jewish spies, right, and, and what happened to ten men, we we see that same story. So, the Torah is clearly trying to present this contrast. How is it possible? How is it possible that Ten pious men, right? top of the line, they failed so miserably in a place where the woman of uh, Ill, Ill repute was so successful and was able to, uh, to, to you know, to positively uh, address this conflict, this challenge, and uh, and stand up for the faith. For faith. What do y'all say? So this woman is called Rachav Hazona. That's a question. Huh? Yes. Shoot. So. Those ten men that were scattered out of Israel. Well, it was really twelve, but only ten of them went went awry. Right. God told them to go to Israel, right? He's like, leave Egypt, go to Israel. So they were should be confident that He's going to help them conquer Israel. If okay. absolutely, they were there, they were privy. So there are those that say that Rachav has zona. The word zona could also mean someone who nourishes, like. Mazon, birkat hamazon, right? The word mazon can be nourishment as well. So those people try to like uh, sidestep or pivot around this woman's occupation by saying that uh, that she wasn't actually a prostitute; she was just like an innkeeper, or she was someone who's like you know a cook or something like that. Um, but uh, I have some sources that I collected today. <coughs> That says, well, it talks about this. This woman was just stunning, gorgeous. Like, it gives a list in the Talmud that says that there's these four most beautiful women of all time. You think that's like a uh, People magazine uh, cover article? Helen of Troy. Huh? Helen of Troy is one. Helen of Troy. Okay, well, who's number two? <laughs> Sarah. We know that right. Sarah. Abigail. Abigail. Rachav, this our woman Rachav, and Esther, Queen Esther, and some say you know Esther, Esther, Esther had a green greenish hue to her. It was Vashti, the other 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 uh, woman of the, uh, uh, the the original queen of the Achashverosh Purim story. 
So clearly the Torah is highlighting the way she looks. And a little bit later on, about uh, uh, in, that, in that same Talmudic page, it says that this woman had such a um, she had such a power of maybe of seduction or of arousal that like people would if people would say her name they would like just say just merely saying her name would cause uh people to whatever would yeah and then one guy says wait a minute i said her name i said her name and i said her name nothing happened to me he says well you didn't know her these people who knew her and, you know, and then there's another piece of Talmud elsewhere, at the other end of the Talmud, that says that this woman was an expert at her field. And it says that every, there wasn't, this is a quote from the Talmud in Zvachim 116b. There's no minister or nobleman who didn't uh, sleep with this woman, Rachav. So she was a uh, highly experienced, it seems like she was a prostitute. It's possible she was an innkeeper, but we see... Yeah, or but there's clearly an indication that uh, that this woman was uh, maybe yes, maybe no. We don't know. Uh, um, and not only was she successful, and then later on, fast forward, her family saved the Jews. Right, they take over Jericho, but then they move on to capture the rest of Israel. Obviously, uh, it took many years. They didn't fully capture the whole the whole the whole country for 400 years and get Jerusalem to 400 years later. But what happened to this woman? So we have we have the uh, the epilogue with this woman and the epilogue is that she actually converted. And according to one opinion of the Midrash, she actually married Joshua. <gasps> Booyah! <laughs> now, who was Joshua? Joshua was the primary disciple of Moses who was the leader of the Jews. So clearly she had a major shift in her uh, practice, in her ideology, you know, in, in her morals and everything. She was And she was able to not only, to go from such a low to such a tremendous high. Now remember, that's, that's the Midrash, it's not so clear that everyone agrees with that. But there is this one opinion in the Midrash that she actually married Joshua. Did Joshua see the Red Sea part and all that stuff? Yeah, of course. So, well, he was. He was. She can believe what he says. Yeah. Well, she. Well, she believed it. But the question is, is like, you, you know, if you are like the leader of the Jewish people. What would it take for a woman who was the most? It says that she was a prostitute for forty years, and then she does tshuva. She decides to repent and become a better person. Like she still has a long way to go to reach the status. Or at least the spiritual status necessary to marry such a person, like for their morals to be aligned. No, just Yom Kippur. Huh? Yom Kippur. Well, maybe. Well, that's the interesting epilogue. So that's my question. My question is: How is it possible, or what's the rationale behind these two stories? Right? You see the ten righteous men. The, the best, the best of the best of the Jewish people. These are the best piece, people that we that we can nominate. These were righteous people. These were <clears throat> men of tremendous leadership and responsibility. These were people that witnesses with their own eyes the ten plagues in Egypt, splitting the sea, vanquishing Pharaoh the, and the mighty Egyptians. Revelation at Sinai. These are these people that were that had levels of prophecy. 
These are really great people. And in this one trip, in this one excursion of the land of Israel, before you know it, they're kind of rejecting God or rejecting the power, dominion of God to assert himself. And on the other hand, you have this woman who's a prostitute for 40 years who is somehow able to see through all of that and recognize that God has the power. And even though she only heard about that and to really play out the whole story and say, I know you guys are going to win, just spare me. I know that God took care of you. He split the sea. I know that you guys gave you the Torah. I'm aware of all that. I believe I'm on board. That's my question. What do you say, Matt? I know you have something good for me. Well, since she converted Judaism. She converted. That's the, that's the postcard. After this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know my point. Um, I think of another one now. I was just saying, like, if you convert to Judaism, maybe it was so special order that she believed all those stories and all that, so she was on board in that, in that aspect, but... What do you say, uh, Abraham? Yeah, can you, you just repeat your what's the main point? Like, how? What's you, the main how? question? I'm saying I'm trying to contrast. People were expecting uh, these two, these the, this person and this group of people were presented with a very similar conflict. On one hand, they see a mighty nation with hev- heavy fortifications, wonderful weaponry. On the other hand, they see the Jewish people with not so many weapons, but with God. And both of them played out the scenario in their minds. And the ten righteous people said, there's no way that God could beat up these people. No way. Let's go back to Egypt. We're toast. And, they, and they, this woman seemingly does not have the same spiritual highs or spiritual uh, levels that she, she's met. She says, oh, yeah, of course we have the military, but so what? God like that, and they're done. Maybe That's the question. Maybe it's uh, she's changing her life and she wants to believe in something and become a better person and so she starts believing in God. And As opposed to those 10 people. Well, I suppose those 10 people, I don't know, but I'm just trying to think why she would do it and not them. Abraham has something percolating. I see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to... Percolating. If, if, if they're, they're obviously Chachamim. So... Chachamim is scholars. So if you go from there, maybe they were second... Testing the Amitzrayim because you know they while the Jewish people were on the desert they did the whole you know um, uh, ego right like the golden golden calf calf exactly um, so they got tested there and failed so now they were almost at you know the borderline right there hitting it and and they. I mean, these Hamim were testing the Jewish people to see if, well, if we come back with this, let's see how they reacted there, if they are still, like, without faith. Because also, I mean, I, I think I, I studied this, like, a while ago, but I can't re- really remember. But wasn't the mistake that these Hamim, uh, it, it wasn't that they pointed out that the other army was strong, because that was... What what Hashem had tell, told them to do, they they, they they had a mission. They they were told go and see what what. It going was on. mentioning the invincibility, right? Exactly. You have God on your side. Nothing's invincible. Right. So uh, let me read you a quote from what they said here. We cannot ascend to that people, for it is too strong for us. Too, too strong. 
<laughs> what do you mean too strong? You have no money on your, on your side. Um, so maybe what I'm saying is that maybe it was a test. Yes, but um, that, it's a very steep theory. Um, we have to see if it works out with the, with the narrative because the narrative says that um, they caused this hysteria that resulted in the Jewish people saying, oh, if only we died in Egypt. Um, the entire assembly said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, why is Hashem bringing us to this land to die by the sword? Our wives and our children were taken captive. Isn't that better to go back to Egypt? So they failed. Oh, so you say maybe the Jews failed. Right. Interesting. That's, That's an interesting theory. Because, you know, if your leader, you know, says, well, we're, we're not going to win, but you know there's a higher up, you know, higher level leader... That's an interesting theory, but but the the uh, the mainstream approach, and for sure the ones brought by the like the midrash and Rashi and the Talmud, they seem to say that these people really screwed up so much so that we have uh, indications that these people like they gave up faith, they started idolatry. Did they see any? Uh... Really, I can show it to you. It's it is it's source. Like these people just they just went totally off the cliff, right. off the deep end. But it's. It's difficult to understand if they're, I mean, like... It's very hard. That's why I question. Their level would have been so much higher than, you know... Absolutely. When they were in the desert, like, was God present? Did they see God? Yeah. It says says that whenever... You stuck up in there for 40 years. No, this is before the 40 years. This is before the 40 years. And anyway, even during the 40 years, they had... Mana, they had like food coming from down from, from the sky. Can you imagine like raining? They had the cloud right in front of them. It's kind of like coming to talk. There's just food everywhere. It's <laughs> there. Just... <laughs> so I wanted to present maybe a few theories just to throw out here. Um, one of them was actually uh, presented by uh, our very own Jared Dubin. I, I threw out this idea. I, uh, I liked the question. He gave his own idea. Which well, is, which is a comment. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, should we call him up and say, hey, Jerry, where are you? <laughs> We're talking about you. I am, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I got one here. I'll take credit for it. Everyone can test him. By the way, where were you? Um, so he, he pointed out a very interesting, he had a very interesting uh, comment. And he said that this shows us, it demonstrates that no matter where someone is in the totem pole, of spiritual status. Someone could be the highest. You could fall. And you have a test. You could be successful or failure. And even on the bottom, it's never lost and you're never sure of your success. You could be on top of the world and you cannot be sure that you're not, not going to make a mistake. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be really But, uh... Who's this? Time to come back in uh, what's it called? The freezing one? Tommy, you come sit down. I don't know. Who's this? I have no idea who it is. Michelle, someone come here. What is it? He wants money? Some people come like from Israel to collect money from our community. He's from Israel? Whatever. Okay. So that, that was a, it's a very interesting, uh, interesting uh, theory that like, oh, and we, we see that, I, I could source this, like he didn't even know what he said, it was such a brilliant idea, that you could never be sure, like the Mishnah says, you don't believe in yourself to the day you die. You cannot be sure that you won't fail. You cannot be sure, you have to always be vigilant. You cannot, you cannot uh, have uh, 
What's it called when someone is uh, complacency? Happy complacent. Can't say, "Oh, I'm good. All right, I accomplished enough." Right? Because the second you have, and you might have, right? But the second you do that, you're liable to fall. Constantly pedal to the metal, put it to the floor. You have to always have that energy and always try to be growing and improving. Because if you're not growing and improving, you're going backwards. You're regressing. Because life is like a. I don't know. Life is like a. Thank you. If you're not progressing, you're falling off, and and you could just and once you're falling off, who knows what could happen to you? Well, any 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 successful company. This is not even companies. Like the second you stop and just have a breather, you're a Nintendo. Or Sony or any one of these companies that's not right. Only the paranoid. Very good. Survive. Only that you have to constantly, constantly be innovating. But it's like that also in in, in you know in, in ourselves and our character. You know that, uh, and for sure in our Judaism, that if we're not constantly growing, then by definition we're aggressive. And wherever you're holding, you could be in the top of the world. You could be the the ten biggest scholars Jewish people have. You're not growing. You're heading the wrong direction. You're regressing. And even at your lofty level, you could fail a test. As opposed to someone who's all the way at the bottom. Like literally the, the moral, uh, uh, the bottom of the moral barrel. And they decide to make a change. They're heading in the right direction. Well, they could succeed in the same year that, that those great people failed. So, so, so I actually mixed up two ideas. The first idea is that you can never be sure... Either way, people have choices, and the choices that they have uh, enable them, even where, at wherever they're holding, to be successful or, or to fail. The other idea, which I kind of mixed them together, and I apologize for that, is that um, sorry, I wrote it down here. It's not about where you, it's not where you are; it's where you're heading. It's much more important the, the direction, because we say which means if someone comes to purify, if someone wants to improve, then he's granted a certain spiritual energy to, that can just take him and just, just shoot him through the, to, to the moon. But if someone has a desire, makes a step in the direction of becoming impure, of regressing, then the doors are wide open for him. So these 10 people, they came, they started their journey with a little bit of a Perspective of let's see, let's see, maybe these people are just unvanquishable. Maybe they had some element of a decision of starting off with the wrong foot and making like opening up themselves for the possibility that maybe God really, maybe we can conquer them. Let's go check it out. Let's find out. Let's let's see what the enemy is really all about. So they had this little bit of doubt, right? Maybe God cannot do it. Let's find out. And before you know it, right, all the uh, t- terrible decisions are just wide open, and you can very, very easily uh, fall into that uh, in, into that uh, trap and just never get out. And the and the consequences were just disastrous, disastrous. You know, you know, forty years and Moses, like Moses, never got to Israel. Think about it. Moses gave up his heart and soul to the Jewish people his whole life. He was the leader and he, he wasn't able to see it. He wasn't able to see it. 
And all the people, all the people that were there that were part of leaving Egypt, they'll die. It was their kids, their kids. Their, their kids were the ones that were, uh, that were, that were the, able to experience it. They, they weren't able to enjoy the, you know, what they toiled so hard. 40 years in the desert, they're all, they're all dead. Once they're all dead, they uh, go to Israel, whoever's left. But the, I think the lesson for us is, is that when someone wants to change, either way, if someone's all the way at the bottom, right, but they decide that they want to make an improvement and they have a general, uh, a, a genuine uh, decision, commitment to try to have a, to ha- have a certain measure of growth, they're granted a certain just spiritual power that gives them the ability to overcome whatever obstacle they, they'll encounter. As opposed to someone's on the top of the line, but opens up their heart to the possibility that maybe, maybe God can do it. Accepts right? just, just the possibility. It's, well, let's find out. Right? So they have a little bit of doubt as to whether or not God can do something. Right? So on, to, to, on, on their level, that's a sin. And they open up themselves to the possibilities. Well, then the world is there for them to, uh, to you know, the obstacles are just there, primed for them to fit them to trip over. Seems like it's a lot easier to fall than to rise. Ooh, absolutely! You can fall a lot faster than you can climb, right? You have to have all this energy to rise. Apparently, and not everybody can have tons of energy twenty four seven, three sixty five. Yeah, it's a slow. It's a, <laughs> no, but it, it's a slow. It's a slow and steady. It's like we 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 it, 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 it's always compared to. Remember, we had the story of Jacob. Jacob's sleeping. There's a ladder, so that ladder is always uh, metaphoric for spiritual growth. You, you want to climb up the ladder. It's got to be one rung at a time. Got to be like that. As opposed to if you want to fall off the ladder, all you got to do is let go, and before you know, it, you're just plunging down as an incredible speed. And you know that that's that's just that that's just that's just the reality. But there are there is a chapter that you, you bring that up. There are there are exceptions for that. We look at like uh, day like day Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is special because Yom Kippur those rules slow and steady. Those rules are just scrapped. We throw them out. Yom Kippur is one day where there's no limitations. Right? You could just take the elevator, so to speak, or escalator up that up 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 that uh, up that ladder. You know. The entire year, you have to like you do one step. You make sure you're steady in that step. You, you get comfortable there. You can move up to the next step. Yom Kippur, shoot for the stars. It's all open there for you. Right? It's just opportunity. Right? That's one example. There's other times like that during the year. But the point is, is that the second someone makes this little decision, but it's but it's a real sincere, genuine decision that they want to improve, they want to grow, they want to connect to the roots, they want to connect to the Judaism, they want to reinvent their relationship with God, that one decision gives them tremendous power to be successful in, uh, uh, in, in any challenges they'll face over the course of that, uh, of that journey. And uh, we see this woman, like, you know, she was a, she was a prostitute for 40 years. Just think about that. 40 years of prostitute. And before you know it, she was, she was married to Joshua. So that's an incredible journey. But it all started with this one decision. And she was able to overcome one challenge, another challenge. And before you know it, uh, she was able to, like, you know, he said she be had like, family, though, so she must her, have married. Well, her family. But it's, her family's like her brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles. Oh, okay. That kind of family. Family. 
No, it's actually one of those industries where it's kind of better to be single. The industry that she was in. She said she was an innkeeper. Yeah, well, maybe, well, maybe it's possible. Either way, so um, my my inspiration from this is that yes, while growth is really slow and it takes a long time, but the most important thing is that first step. And because that first step dictates what's going to be. So if that first step is a negative step, well, you can be at the top of the line. Before you know it, you're slowly at the bottom. If that first step is the positive step, if, if that one decision, that one genuine, um, in your heart, in your heart of hearts, something you come to realize is being worthy of considering, either way, if it's genuine, you're granted a tremendous amount of, of spiritual power and nothing will stop you. Well, you might, you'll still need to work, but the, the hard part's behind you. So that's all my ideas. Um, I hope it's, I think it's, you know, I think that there's legitimacy to what Jared was saying. And I'm sure that if we all think about this over the next week, we could all come up with something else. And uh, please, everyone, um, get back to us as to whether or not, as to Friday night. Uh, we'd love to see you all, all of you. Friday night. It's not going to be here. It's going to be by. It's going to be. It's on the same block, but it's going to be by Johnny's house. Um, really love, 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 uh, Bruce. You're, you're in Miami. Darn. Darn. I'll get an email. Okay, I'll get an email. And, uh, and and you know that's that. Hopefully, we could just you know make the right decisions and uh, constantly be growing on our own personal spiritual ladder. Yes, Dana. You said 40 years. We were thinking about it. Let's say she's 10. That would mean that she's 50. Uh, actually. So how is that possible? How is it possible that she was active for that long? So question. For 40 years, because that would mean that she's at least 50 possible. years old. People didn't live that long back then. Well, all of that. Like 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 okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just because so you. Okay, I'm. I am going to read this one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this because literally you hit the nail on the head. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Who here speaks somewhat of some some some, uh, some modicum of Hebrew? And okay, I'm going to read it in Hebrew what the Talmud says. And then you translate it. And you translate it. Okay. Amru. They said. She was 10 years old when the Jews came out of Egypt. Do I have to translate that? Yes. Crap. <laughs> Use your good she, she had relations. Uh, well, she was, she was engaged she was in... Engaged in And after 50 years, she converted, or she changed. Well, she, she converted. She converted. She was 50 years old when she converted. So you actually hit the nail on the head of the timeline. Wow. How do you like that? I just do it. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so. thought she was an innkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make a choice. Anyhow, so that's, uh, it's interesting that, the, that the, uh, the, the, uh, the people that, the codifier, or the people that decided to have this Haftorah, uh, be partnered with this partner. We're clearly trying to show us the two times where there were spies and the two very, very different results. So I just thinking that's something which is 
uh, worthy of of uh, examining and uh, seeing if we can find some lesson. And I hope we did. And thank you all. I love you guys. I'll see everyone next week. Uh, bye, Johnny's house. Turn out the well.